0: welcome you're listening to living digital in the last episode of this current series we're going to be talking about one of the most consequential issues of our time namely the energy transition and who better to talk on the subject than head of energy transition for digital and integration steve freeman steve thanks very much for joining us today
1: hi tim great to be here
0: so steve what actually do you do in your role day to day
1: It's an exciting, interesting role. It covers all of the energy transition technology. So whether we're talking about how to reduce emissions from active oil and gas operations, how to reduce emissions coming from all of the world's heavy industries, which includes things like using carbon capture and storage, or whether it's around how do we scale out low-carbon energy solutions, whether that's things like hydrogen or, or offshore wind. So all of those pieces in the portfolio and engaging with customers and SLB people around the world.
0: So, Steve... The multi-trillion-dollar question here: What is the energy transition, and exactly what does it look like?
1: Yeah, I mean the uh, the particular number you put on it is amazing, right? The the, the multi-trillion-dollar um, question. So, I mean, clearly the energy transition is critical for all of our society's future, for the planet's future. We need to be able to deliver the energy the world needs to allow societies to continue to develop, at the same time as removing the emissions that we've had historically associated with that energy production. So very much the energy transition is how can we get the best aspects of energy without the harmful aspects that we've had in the past, which are the emissions. And so across all different aspects of all industries, we're all striving to work out how can we deliver that most urgently to give society what it needs to be able to continue to progress. It's a challenge for, um, the industry and the industry is, is reinventing itself in different ways and at different paces in different parts of the world, depending on the resources, society and challenges of that transition. In some places like, uh, Europe, there is a strong drive for, What were the oil and gas companies to now transform themselves into integrated energy companies? So they're, they're providing kind of oil and gas in the foreseeable future. Um, but they are rapidly ramping up their contributions in the renewable space and in places like carbon capture and storage. If you go to other parts of the world, then, you know, there's, there's more a drive to be able to say move away from oil into gas and use that as a kind of a transition fuel. So countries and societies deem what is the most appropriate pathway. All need to be able to do this as rapidly and as cost effectively as possible.
0: So you make a good point about countries dealing with the energy transition in different ways. What if you're a country that derives four-fifths of its government revenues from oil and gas? How is the energy transition going to manifest for them?
1: It's challenging. Um, You know, there are... You know, countries whose largest domestic product, the air economy is solely based around or primarily based around, um, that energy production. In those particular areas, people are looking at how can they continue to deliver energy with less emissions? In the short term, that might be how do you design out emissions from how you produce and distribute? That current energy, but then there is also how can we look to what is the next step? How can we deliver energy with fundamentally lower emissions? So, one obvious step in through there is to move away from supplying natural gas, decarbonize that natural gas into blue hydrogen, and then p- deliver that low carbon hydrogen as a future fuel with low emissions. So I think the nature of the location in the world, the nature of the energy mix depends on what is the right strategy to deliver economic benefit at the same time as delivering decarbonisation.
0: And we'll be going into all the different shades of hydrogen in a future podcast, so stay tuned for that. But Steve, give us some of the cold hard stats behind the scale of the energy transition.
1: Yeah, some of the numbers are are kind of pretty eye-watering. I mean, if you talk about what does society in general need to do to be able to align with a one and a half degree target. The general feel is that um, the emissions need to be halved between now and 2030. So all industries, all energy sources need a dramatic reduction over an incredibly short amount of time. The various different groups that have looked at this and then said, okay, well, how do we achieve that in the most economic and sustainable and just way come out with a range of different targets so for instance offshore wind has to scale up somewhere on the order of kind of eight times between now and 2030 to achieve the kind of outputs required if you uh, look at say geothermal um, more localized in different geographies because of the natural resources but there you're looking at uh, a trebling of capacity between now and 2030 if you look at the other side of the coin rather than the energy generation the removal of emissions so there we're looking at carbon capture and storage you know there we're looking at currently about 40-50 million tons a year is sequestered that needs to scale up to something like 6000 million tons a year by 2050 to align with the paris uh, agreement so many orders of magnitude increase across multiple different systems and that clearly needs design implementation digital design and digital operations to be able to achieve those kind of uh,
0: outputs which the world needs to do so those are monumental changes eight times more wind power three times more geothermal power and more than a hundredfold increase in carbon capture and storage we'll be speaking about the last two there in episodes coming up soon but what part does digital play in this entire sea change?
1: Yeah, it's an exciting time to be in this space because every one of those projects is a major capital investment project. You need to be able to understand what does that infrastructure look like. You need to be able to demonstrate that you understand the uncertainties and demonstrate to the investors that you can get a good return on investment for those projects. And that all talks to digital design. So there's a huge scale out at the moment where teams in just about every single energy company and many of the heavy emitting companies around the world are actively scrutinizing and designing projects to take them to FID, to be able to get the investment, to be able to get those projects turned into reality. So the big drive at the moment is all around digital design, whether it's in hydrogen, whether it's in offshore wind, whether it's in geothermal. Once we get those projects scaled to be able to deliver the return on investments we need, then it's very much turning to digital operations to be able to optimise their performance so that we can get the energy we need at the price we need with the energy security that we need around the world.
0: And when we're going out to customers and listening to their requirements and concerns, what are we hearing back from them?
1: It depends where in the world it is and what pace. So there are places like um, Australia, which are charging ahead faster than other parts of the world. There it's very much around how do we design, de-risk, how do we get these projects into construction and operation as quickly as possible. There are other parts of the world where it's an earlier stage and they're looking at how do we screen all these different opportunities. If we are going to move into this space, if we are going to decarbonize, what is the lowest cost way that we can do that, given our infrastructure and given our natural resources? So it's an interesting landscape where some places are moving very fast, very quickly, and others are really trying to understand what's most appropriate for them, for their business, for their countries.
0: November 2022 saw the COP27 summit coming to Egypt. How do you think the energy sector is performing with regards to the commitments that need to be made to keep to a maximum temperature rise of 1.5 degrees C for the planet?
1: As an industry, we will have to go faster. We in SLB have made commitments against our Scope 1, 2 and 3 emissions to align with Paris. There are numerous other energy companies that um, have also made those commitments, but I think all of us will have to go faster if we want to deliver the targets that the world expects from us. Um, we saw some you know, very positive statements at COP27, but I think there was also a recognition that it needs to go deeper and faster if we are to achieve and keep one and a half degrees alive. And I think the deployment of this technology at scale is essential. And certainly in SLB, we are trying our best to ensure that we can enable the energy companies around the world to be able to scale these projects and deliver on those ambitions.
0: Steve, that's a great place to leave this. Thanks very much for your time today. And we look forward to speaking with you again soon on all things energy transition.
1: No, that's brilliant, Tim. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for the opportunity.
0: That's it for this episode. And that's a wrap for 2022. We'll be back with a new series of Living Digital, dealing with everything energy from drilling to production and beyond. Thanks for listening this year please do like follow and subscribe if you've enjoyed listening to the episode so far and we look forward to welcoming you back kicking off with the essentials behind carbon capture and storage in 2023 wishing everybody a happy festive season ahead and we'll see you then